This is the Addiction Recovery Podcast with Stephen T. Ginsberg, founder of Restore Detox Centers in sunny California. Enjoy your experience. Hey, everyone. Welcome to our very first episode of Addiction Recovery. My name is Steve Coffrin. I'm here with Stephen T. Ginsberg. He is the founder of Restore Detox Centers out in Poway, California. And Stephen, I'm, I'm so excited to kick things off with you because you have such incredible stories and so much experience in the space. And I'm just really excited for you to share your story with the entire world. Steve, thank you so much. I'm, I'm thrilled that we are beginning this endeavor together. Uh, there's so much information that's imperative for people to participate in and be a part of so that we can all continue to grow and learn and, and fight this battle that looms on a day at a time. Absolutely. And Steven and I, we've, we've done a lot of collaboration with each other and we're like, okay, now it's time. We need to get the message out there in the world because there are a lot of people that are hurting. There are a lot of people that need help and we're excited to be your guides. So that's how we see ourselves. We're the guides. You're actually the hero. You as the listener, you are the hero in the story. And we're just here to bring you resources and tools that will help you along your journey. Absolutely. And again, you know, anything that we bring into the light from the darkness, it loses its strength and power. And the number one way we can continue to focus on the solution is by sharing it, sharing with people whose lives are affected directly and sharing with people who know people that they love and care about who are falling under the abyss of addiction and alcoholism. Absolutely. And there's so much to share and you're going to love Stephen's stories and just all the experience that comes with it. So let me just lay out how this podcast is actually going to unfold. This is the first episode, so we're going to kick things off. I want to get into who Stephen is because really he is the, the one who's going to be providing um, all the context and all the tools and all the resources here. I'm just here to ask questions. But really how this thing unfolds is that we're going to do some episodes together like this. We'll do a, a Q&A format. We're going to also bring in experts and other guests onto the podcast. And really our job is to provide you with the resources you need to either overcome your addiction recovery or to strengthen you in the battle of recovery and addiction as it pertains to helping loved ones in your life. So whether you are dealing with addiction struggles or you're a family member or a friend who is trying to help a loved one overcome these challenges, this is what the podcast is all about. So it's for both sides of the equation. Stephen, what are your thoughts on that? Just really perfectly put and said, a dual purpose is really the approach and the pursuit of the information. And it affects so many people in so many different ways. The more we're able to construct a conversation and have it lend itself to people who need resources, the better we're doing a day at a time. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. And when Stephen and I were bouncing around this idea about the podcast and we looked out there, we realized a massive gap in the marketplace. And when we started looking for other podcasts that are talking about this, we found episodes, one-off episodes here and there, but we didn't find one show that was solely dedicated to addiction recovery. And that's really what the show is all about. So we're excited to dive in. Let's talk a little bit about who we are. So like I said, I'm Steve Coffrin. And I'm going to be the one who asks questions and and brings out the stories that Stephen has. He has so much experience. Like, like I said, he is the founder of a detox center here. So he 
deals with a lot of community members, a lot of great community members, and he has personal experiences in the space. So my job is to bring those stories to life. That's who I am. Stephen and I, we've known each other for quite a while and our roots go back even beyond that. Like I, I went to high school with his wife and with his wife's brother. And so I've known his family for over two decades and counting, which is kind of crazy to say that. I love the connection and I love the foundation of our relationship, but I love what's developing out of it, most importantly. And uh, really just to give a quick thumbnail about my background, the most important thing I can lend to that uh, where this content is concerned is, you know, by God's grace and mercy, November 12th, this year, I will celebrate 19 years clean and sober. And through that journey, uh, my wife and I were trusted with and became the founders, owners, and operators of Restore Detox Centers in Poway, California. And my primary focus is to help the man or woman who's still suffering from the depravity of addiction and alcoholism. Uh, and through my life experience and my life's journey, uh, I've continued to, to be vested in and see firsthand that there is proof of concept where the solution is concerned. And uh, the goal and the objective is to save lives and to help people understand that this is a disease. Uh, this is a disease that is fatal. And there is a solution that is infinite. And remission can be granted to people who suffer from the same thing I suffer from. It can all be done a day at a time, but it's a process and it requires footwork. Yeah, absolutely. And this isn't just a podcast that's unique to us. It's not like Stephen's story is, is unique. Sure, there's aspects that are unique to it. It's not like my story is unique. You know, this is a, a massive problem across the globe. There are millions of people that are dealing with this. So if you're listening to this and you're struggling with addiction, or you know somebody who's struggling with addiction, you're not alone. That's the great thing. So we want this podcast to be very interactive. You can always reach out to us at any time by going to the website, which is restoredetoxcenters.com, or you can always send an email to hello at restoredetoxcenters.com and we will do our best to respond. So send us your feedback. And if you have any questions, if you have any comments, we would just love that interaction with the community. 100%. We want to absolutely hear from you. You know, the only thing we would have any perception to be a bad question is one that is not asked. We are here with you and for you in all things. And we're just so blessed and proud to be reaching you today. Absolutely. So let's, let's take this journey together. Let's go ahead and dive right in. A couple of years ago, I was going through a really tough time in my life. I was going through a divorce. I was married for over 15 years. And here I was at complete rock bottom. I was sober, but I, I definitely hit rock bottom. I felt sick to my stomach. I was depressed. You know, it was just a really hard time in my life. But it was also this opportunity to break free from a bad situation and to start living the life that I've always wanted to live. And it was during this time I visited California and, and that's where Steven is. And I remember we spent the day together and we went to lunch and his, at the same time, his book had just come out, which is a great book called Filling the Void, more to come on that. And we were swapping stories and that's really where I formed this deep connection, this deep bond with Steven. And it just, the bond just strengthened because I could relate to him in so many different levels and I can empathize with him and connect with his story. And, and so many of you I'm sure can as well. So Steven... Let's go back to your days in high school. So when you were in high school, what was your relationship like with drugs and alcohol? Were you messing around, drinking here and there? Did you get into like smoking, smoking pot? Like, were you playing around with it at that time or did that come later on in life? Great question and, and a really great place 
to start this journey. The first time that I used drugs and alcohol was when I was 15 years old. And with the things that I was missing growing up and the areas where I felt a need, I absolutely thought, especially when it came to smoking marijuana, marijuana truly was that gateway drug for me. First time I smoked marijuana, I really truly believe that that was the answer to everything that had ever ailed me. So for myself, I immediately identify at that point in my journey. That is where my addiction began because that is something that immediately became a, a daily ongoing activity for myself. So pause there real quick, Steven. So yep, sure. Did you start? I mean, you said it's like, okay, I found something that's great. You know, it relaxed me. It changes me into somebody else or whatever the, the benefit was. Was that because life was like terrible for you? Were you depressed? Were you going through some hard times? Was it a mechanism to escape? Tell me a little bit about what was going on in your personal life at sure. that time. I just, at a very young age, I just felt a tremendous emptiness and I, I felt very unfulfilled and I felt very unaccomplished and I felt like I was failing and a failure at everything. And those things are false but I could not fill up that emptiness. And it's actually, you had mentioned the book before. That's why I titled the book, Filling the Void. I could not fill that emptiness. And when I finally anesthetized myself with marijuana and with marijuana and alcohol, that emptiness subsided. And, and that is a broad stroke, but it's an appropriate one because that was the tipping point where I had felt like I found what I needed. And that was the biggest thing that was driving the behavior was that emptiness. I mean, did, but did you recognize that emptiness at the time or is it only in retrospect that you realize that there's this void, meaning that were you sitting there and you're thinking, wow, I just feel really empty or were you more feeling this discontent, but you couldn't really pinpoint what was causing it or what was the genesis of that? You know, I think certainly, Stephen, that's a, a great point. I, I think because youth is wasted on the young and I didn't have the ability or the acumen where, I, where the Lord has me sitting today to understand what I could have understood back then, I just felt discontent. I just felt like I wasn't at a very early age. You know, it's young to be 15 years old and feel like I'm not getting anywhere. Well, like, okay, kiddo, where are you supposed to be getting? I just couldn't connect to anything or anyone. And I just felt so utterly alone. So it was a, just a massive array of feelings of, of lack and emptiness. And I think that that's where too many times uh, where young people are concerned, they turn to something else to be fulfilled. Yeah. And, and so that's what you did. You found marijuana and alcohol and you're like, okay, this is filling something even if it's yes. just temporary or even if it's, you know, fake, because, you know, it's just a, a fake filler. Obviously we, we know that now, and I'm sure you recognize that now, but when did it become a problem? Immediately. It really, and really in my case, that's the answer. And here's where I define problem. If there is unmanageability in an individual's life where drugs or alcohol are concerned, and then if you have any issue with unmanageability, look up the definition of unmanageability. If there is unmanageability behind drug and alcohol use, then drug and alcohol use is a problem. And in my case, the unmanageability, which already existed, was magnified. And in my case, daily use became normal very, very quickly. I want to sort of jump ahead, but it's okay. You know, you're talking about the inception of the problem at 15. By the time I was 19, Steve, I was in inpatient treatment. 
So I suffer from a progressive illness with a massive appetite. And so that's a short span of years to where you hit your bottom, but I did, and I'm grateful. And there it was. So you go into rehab at 19, you get clean and sober. Is that correct? Yes, Tell me sir. a little bit more about that. That was, I, I feel good even starting to recall it at this moment. You know, I finally, I finally was in a, I went to a remarkable facility. I went to a place in Wickenburg, Arizona called the Meadows. I am very grateful. I will always be grateful for that place. I was there for 42 amazing days. I was 19 years old and I was identified immediately like, hey, you're an addict. You're an alcoholic. This is why trouble follows you. These are the patterns you're displaying that support that assertion. And there is a solution. And they introduced me to 12-step programming straight away. And they were very adamant. And I had a remarkable counselor that I was going to have to live amidst that solution a day at a time to continue to have remission from what ailed me, which was addiction and alcoholism. Hmm. And I want to, we're going to cover all the details here in all the upcoming episodes, folks. I want to provide a really high level foundational understanding of, of Steven's background here in this episode, but yeah, there's going to be a lot more stories that are going to come from all this. We're going to get into the the weeds here in upcoming episodes. So if I'm skipping around, I apologize for that, but Steven, so you go through rehab and you are sober. If I understand correctly for about 12 years, is that correct? Spot on. I had 12 years of, of uninterrupted sobriety and uh, it was a real blessing. And there's something they describe and prescribe in sobriety called the promises. The promises were coming true in my life. And then along those lines, I also lived out an all too familiar pattern amidst those 12 years. I started to neglect and negate the very thing that was delivering me the solution. Life got good. And the, the very composition of the solution, which was my program, I started to neglect and negate that. And my disease is, is permanent a day at a time as well. And I had a very violent and vile relapse where I was back out for four and a half years. Yeah. So, so life's going great. After 12 years, you, you come out of this, this rock bottom place. Now you're successful in your career. You got the money, you got the job, you know, you got the, the status, you have a nice car, a great place. Life's good. So what the, the heck happened? The trappings of life. Yeah. At, you know, life got good. And I forgot from once I came. And it's a very cautionary tale, and I'm grateful for it. The very things that delivered me the good, I didn't properly pay homage to what it is that got me there. And I, you know, I suffer from a disease that tells me, Steve, that I don't have a disease, and that is dangerous. And I also suffer from a disease that is a progressive nature, not a regressive nature. It is growing in scope daily as I continue to have remission and deny it. And it is only a matter of time if an individual like myself doesn't work a program, doesn't attend meetings, doesn't have a sponsor, doesn't have a power greater than themselves, doesn't work steps and isn't of service. It is just a matter of time until drink time or drink and drug time comes. And in my case, it was textbook and I relapsed. And for two years, I neglected the program. And then within the confines of those two years, I eventually went back out. And so this time, was it a much deeper hole that you went down? compared to when you were 19 years old? Monumentally deeper. I had more resources. Again, I had denied this disease for 12 years. It came back with a vengeance. There's an analogy I use, and everyone's journey is their own. 
and I don't take any of it lightly. Many people who suffer from cancer treat cancer and they have a remission. And cancer comes back with a vengeance from being treated. Addiction and alcoholism comes back with a vengeance when there are periods of brief sobriety or of sobriety. It is literally out there to annihilate the individual who suffers from it. And my disease, which is still out to kill me to this day, was certainly out to kill me back then. And I had a horrific relapse. It was much, much worse. Okay. So do you see that through your experience of running Restore, and a lot of people come into the home, do you see that each time somebody relapses, it gets worse and worse and worse? Or does it all depend? Sometimes they relapse and it's a really bad relapse and then it's lighter and then it's worse. And then, it, I mean, or does it just get progressively worse until something really tragic happens? It is awful. And it always gets progressively worse. There's something I... I talk about, which are the yets in life. Haven't lost my family yet. Haven't lost my job yet. Haven't lost my children yet. Haven't lost my friends yet. Haven't lost my life yet. And those yets become reality through addiction and alcoholism, through relapses. It is never better. It is always worse. And that's where I get so convicted and so bold in my pursuit of the ongoing remission for myself and people like me, this disease cannot be taken lightly and it can never be ignored nor negated. My disease is pursuing me vigilantly every day. It never takes a day off. So I must intentionally pursue the solution every day and never take a day off. And that's not bad news. That's good news. Yeah. That, it, it, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. So let, let's go back to the story here for a minute. You are at rock bottom in relapse number two. You're smoking crack. You're paranoid. I mean, you're you're probably a mess physically, emotionally. I mean, spiritually, you're bankrupt. And and then what? Like you're sitting there all alone, thinking, okay, I need to go get help. Or I mean, what what was your what were your thoughts like at that time? Listen, my thoughts were onefold. I was very hopeful that one of these days I was not going to wake up. And I'm being very candid and transparent. And my goal was that I would not wake up. And I was hopeful for that. And I kept waking up and kept waking up and kept waking up. And on November 12, 2004, I woke up and I could not believe I survived the night. Really, that's a very literal statement. And just, again, I want to I want to deliver the, the information as far as where that change was. And I rolled over to my knees and I and I prayed. And I said, God, if you're not going to let me die, give me my life back in sobriety. And then I do want to share this because it's personal. And wherever, if you're out there listening, wherever your relationship is with God, or if you have no relationship with God, you know, it very simply just starts with a belief that there is something greater than us out there. But for me at that moment, remarkably and miraculously, because I was raised in a traditionally Jewish household, at that moment on November 12, 2004, after I said that first prayer, I did. I cried out to Jesus Christ and asked Jesus Christ to come and save my life. And prayers are answered. And I immediately stood up behind that prayer. I don't even know why I prayed that. I don't ever need to know why I prayed that. Uh, the words were put in my heart and they came out of my mouth. And I stood right up, literally went downstairs, walked across Wilshire Boulevard, which is it's amazing that I survived that. Because that in and of itself is an act of God to keep you safe walking across Wilshire Boulevard. And there was a group of guys in a parking lot in front of a church smoking cigarettes. And I thought to myself, those have to be alcoholics. And I rolled up to them and I was, I was physically dirty. I looked like I was homeless and they were looking at me like I was such 
And I said, is there a meeting? And they said, there was actually a noon meeting. And I walked in and took my newcomer chip. And that was the beginning of my journey back to where I sit today. But how does it, you know, it's so interesting. How does a Jewish boy think <laughs> to call out to Jesus Christ? I mean, yep. There's like, no third, how did that, how yes. that even happen? Were you like heading in that direction from no. some other experiences or literally you were at rock bottom and it just came to your head and you're like, I'm going to just say it and cry out for help because otherwise I'm dead. Listen, Steve, you know me, I love to talk and I, I love what we're participating in right now. I don't have the ability to humanly explain to you that miracle. It's what was put into my heart and came spilling out of my mouth was to cry out to my Lord and savior. And I, I, I didn't know what I meant. I said, listen, I will live my life for you. I will give my life to you. I didn't know what that meant, but mm -hmm. I asked him to save me. And he, that is the God I serve. He came and saved me. And I am so grateful beyond that's a poor word, poor choice of words. That's not enough. But I am here to serve him. I am here for the for the glory of his kingdom. And I am here to help every single solitary person I can, no matter what they believe, know the truth that there is a solution, there is hope. And I serve this God who, he, that moment on, I never looked back, but it has been through him always. Absolutely. No, I agree with that. And I love that point. So you get clean and sober. You go back to work, you're working, you're successful. And we're going to just leapfrog and skip a lot of details and save it for uh, future episodes. But at what point did you decide that you were going to start a detox center? I mean, that that's a pretty big leap for you know anybody really. hundred percent. I was vested in a full-on career in commercial real estate. And I had a dear friend who I loved, who was also sober, who was also a believer. We had always wanted to work together. What did we have in common? We were both clean and sober. So we started this journey thinking we would do something in the space of sobriety. There were many guardian angels along the way. People took consultation lunches with us. People gave us some good suggestions. And what we landed on is that we would open a medical detox and residential treatment center. Uh, subsequently down the way, eventually he needed to step aside and start a, a different path of his own. And so Nicole and I bought him out of Restore. But from that starting point where we realized this endeavor would occur, we it took us about two years uh, to gain licensure because we have intervention medical services on site. And we had to staff up and we had to buy real estate because we wanted to own the property where, where Restore was. And a little bit better than six years ago, we opened the doors to Restore Detox Centers in Poway, California. Congratulations. I mean, that is such an amazing feat. And I've been to the house several times. Every time I'm out in California, I, I always ask Stephen, when is group? I want to come up to the house. It's such mm. a beautiful location. It sits on top of this hill and the view is amazing. From the back patio, there's this like infinity edge pool. You you can see, you know, really far and, and it's just a, a beautiful setting, but it, it's so much more than just the house. And you and I have been talking about that lately because you know, the website has some really good pictures about the house. So check out restoredetoxcenters.com to see what I'm talking about here. But the house is really beautiful, but it goes so much deeper than just a house, like a physical structure. It's really the magic that goes on in the house. And I've sat in those group meetings with you as you're facilitating. And that's really where the light bulb came on. And, and you already knew this. And we've been, you, I mean, you told me about this, but that's where I realized there is so much work to do. And that's where you need to get your story out there because there are too many people out there suffering unnecessarily 
and there's resources that are available. And, you know, and, and I'm so glad that we're doing this podcast finally together. I could not agree with you more. And yes, and listen, if when you roll up on site at Restore, I still to this day drive up there and I am in wonderment of the miracle of that home. And it is a home and you can feel that it is a place to heal. And yes, you look at that back canyon and you see God's handiwork and you realize you're in a safe place that's private and quiet where everyone is there with you and for you and on your side invested in the solution. And then many alumni from Restore come up to the very groups you're describing. And many alumni from Restore are part of the team now of Restore. And that is a miracle. And it is a family affair. And, you know, my wife, Nicole, comes alongside me on a daily basis and supports the endeavor. And she's not someone who's in recovery, but she married someone in recovery. And she is watching the world continue a person at a time and a day at a time to recover or restore. And I want people who are needlessly suffering to understand whether it's through us or somewhere else, there is help out there and there is an answer out there. And none of the answers are found in a bottle. None of the answers are found in a pillar and a substance. The answers are found in the truth for me through my Lord and Savior and for all of us through the practical application of living life together on life's terms. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So let me ask you this, Stephen, what are some common misconceptions about addiction? I mean, you've been through it. You've been an addict. I mean, you, you still tell me all the time. You're like, I'm still an addict. I, I suffer. Absolutely. From so yes. what are some common misconceptions out there, either from the addict themselves or from the family mm-hmm. members? Maybe you could talk about both. Sure. Absolutely. I think first and foremost, from the addict themselves, thinking that they can figure out a way or negotiate or navigate a way into the solution on their own. That is one of the most dangerous misconceptions that exists. When you get to that point where the unmanageability has reared its ugly head and is prevalent, there must be outside help to conquer what ails us. Uh, And again, a place like Restore, medical professionals, and certainly 12-step programming starts to provide the tapestry of the solution a day at a time. And, you know, Steve, I will always be, and I always want to be, and I always remain an addict and alcoholic, a gratefully recovering addict and alcoholic, not recovered, uh, recovering. I am not well, I am getting well a day at a time. And I want to very quickly flip over to the family members and the families suffer tremendously behind this disease. This is a disease. This is an illness. This does require support and outside help and solutions. This isn't about willpower. This isn't about stick-to-itiveness. This is much akin to someone who has a peanut allergy. They don't overcome it and suddenly they can eat pistachios. This is life-threatening. And realize that if a loved one you have is suffering, the worst thing in the world you can do is enable the disease. The best thing you can do is perpetuate and demand that they look into resources to gain a foothold on the solution. Absolutely. Well, it's interesting how it evolves because, you know, I I did this lesson once with my kids when they were much younger and I took just a little bit of thread, you know, like, you know, just thread that you would sew a a shirt with, right? And I just took this thin thread and I told them to put their hands together like I was going to handcuff them. So imagine that, you know, your, your hands are together, your arms are together. And I just, you know, went around their arms one time and I just tied a little knot and I said, okay, you know, break free, break your arms apart. And they did that. And the the thread broke, you know, the thread was really thin and is easy to break free. And I said, okay, well, that's 
you know, one cigarette, that's one hit of the pipe. That's one time trying this or trying that. Okay. Now you have the power to break free. Let me go around two times, three times, 10 times. Let me go around 15 times. Now try to break. And all of a sudden now they can't break their arms apart. What do you think about that analogy? Is is that how it goes down? Do you think it's like by like small little baby steps or, you know, just messing around with things at first. It's like, it's easy. You know, I could smoke a little weed here. It's no big deal. It's Saturday night. I'm just chilling. Like I'm a responsible adult. Like what's the big harm in it? Um, And then does it eventually evolve or like, what are your thoughts on how does addiction unravel in most people's lives? And I know this is pretty general, Stephen, because, you know, for everybody, it's probably very unique, but what are your thoughts on this topic? Uh, first and foremost, I think the exercise with the threat is very apropos, and I think it's it's a wonderful way. And I think we must have bold, courageous, transparent conversations with our children, not the least of which in this day and age, there is fentanyl everywhere. So trying something once can be lethal. It wasn't necessarily like that for myself when I was growing up as far as what's out there. So first and foremost, with with people that are encountering their children's awareness and information. They've got to let them know how very high the stakes are. The second factor uh, becomes a, a, a big factor that lends itself to the of this world part of all this. You know, yes, not everyone is going to suffer from addiction and alcoholism. Some people, you know, we coined the phrase normies in the world of recovery. There's people who very casually have a glass of wine, or I guess there's some people who very casually will, will use marijuana, or maybe take a pill, although I think that all uh, lends itself to endangerment. But it is much a much different experience for people who suffer from addiction and alcoholism. It is very progressive. It is very fast. It is very erratic. It, it, it is very consistent and continuous and contiguous, and it takes an immediate place in their life, and, and they change. They become a different person. And when those red flags come up, when people we love are isolating, when people we love are not accountable, when people we love are having more and more issues and trials and tribulations, we've got to start to take a brave look with them and for them at what is occurring, what are they doing, what aren't they doing, and why. And that's where you see its fingerprints, and it leads you to that crime scene where you're like, addiction and alcoholism has my loved one. Yep, absolutely. And so what I want to do now, and along those same lines, Stephen, thanks for sharing all that is I want to provide some stats for the listeners and then I'll have you respond and then we'll wrap this episode and I look forward to many more together. But let me just provide a little bit of context. I'm a statistics guy, a numbers person. I I love this stuff, but let me just set the stage here. So did you know that, and I'm not talking to you, Stephen, I mean, you know this, but I'm talking to you, the listener. Do you know that over 150 people die every day from overdoses that are related to synthetic opioids like fentanyl. Okay. So that, that's like a plane crash every single day. So if a plane crashed somewhere and you saw that on the news, I mean, that would be tragic. I mean, flags would be flying half staff. People will be mourning these deaths, but imagine every single day a plane crashes just from fentanyl, right? 31% of all traffic crashes, all the traffic fatalities involve drunk drivers. Okay. So just to put that into context, about 11,000 people die every single year from drunk driving. So Mm. every day, 37 people in the United States are killed by drunk driving. 
which is crazy. Now, beyond just drug addiction and alcohol issues, there's a bigger trend that's occurring here. 21% of adults are experiencing at least one mental illness. So that's roughly 50 million people, folks. That's just in the United States. There's 8 billion people roughly in the world. So extrapolate that and you can see how big of a problem this is worldwide. And this podcast is going to go worldwide. So if you're listening you know, in Budapest or in London or India or China or wherever you are in the world, I mean, these statistics carry over. 60% of youth with major depression received no mental health treatment. Okay. That's crazy. And so there's these massive trends going on in the space. And that's why Stephen and I are so passionate about this topic. This podcast, we're going to roll out all different types of topics. Like I said, we want to provide you with the resources to heal and recover. So even if you're not an addict, maybe you're not addicted to drugs and alcohol. Maybe you're addicted to something else like porn or food or exercise or social media or whatever it may be. We're going to cover all these topics here. When there's a void to your point, Stephen, and that's the whole reason why you wrote the book, you know, when there's a void in your life, you're going to fill it with something. And if you're not careful, it could be very, very tragic, you know, for for people it can destroy lives, not just your life, but all the lives that you come in contact with. Stephen, what are your thoughts? And then let's wrap this one. First of all, just even listening to those statistics is just so harrowing and it just, it, it boldens my conviction. And, and I, I hate the peril that this disease ca causes. And I hate the peril that mental illness and substance use, let alone substance abuse causes. I think that it really is time to have a mindful and intentional dialogue and conversation and realize what is occurring in the world today, what the circumstances are in the world today, both through everything we experienced in the pandemic and post and both what we're having happen as far as fentanyl coming into this nation and start to realize that there, there is a real issue here and people are, are having lack in their life, a lack of communication, a lack of intimacy, a lack of connection, and a lack of a willingness to reach out and ask for and seek resources for help, connectivity, and a, an answer in prayer to vulnerability. And there is no substance use or substance choice that will bring things together. It is going to be brought together by transparent communication by intentional footwork and by participating together, whether we're in addiction and alcoholism or not, as to the solution for the things that we are missing in this world today amidst all of the insanity of the world today. So my hope as we continue to forge ahead with this work, which I, I'm loving every minute of it already, is that we'll continue to have conversations occur that are vested in the solution and realizing the solution isn't anything we buy, drink, eat, or take, the solution is in prayerful, intentional intimacy and life together a day at a time. I love it, Stephen. I mean, you you did an excellent job wrapping, so I don't have a whole lot to add to that. Thank you for concluding that. And thanks everybody for tuning in. The biggest compliment that you could give us in the greatest way you could participate in carrying this work forward, because look, we all have a part in it, is to share this with those that you come in contact with. I mean, everybody. Everybody out there, I'm sure, is impacted in some form or fashion by addiction. And if it hasn't hit home for you yet, like Steven said, yet, 
you know, it, it sure will. So being proactive in this entire process, educating yourself by listening to these podcast episodes, sharing it with those that you care about, that you love, that you come in contact with would mean the world to us, but also empowers you to play your part in transforming the world and helping people to heal across the globe. So thank you so much for tuning in, Stephen. This was super fun and I look forward to future episodes. Steve, thank you so much. And anyone out there who is suffering or knows someone they love who is suffering, please know this, there is hope, there is a solution and we're going to continue to help you and help ourselves navigate the way and live amidst that solution a day at a time. Absolutely. Until next episode, feel free to reach out to us. Like we mentioned, hello at restoredetoxcenters.com and we would love to connect. All right, take care. God bless you, everyone.